0: From Relay FM, this is Upgrade, episode number 156, brought to you this week by Eero, Smile, and Encapsula. I'm Jason Snell, and I'm not just mocking Mike Hurley by reading his part of the show, he's not here. He is on vacation, and good for him. So instead of Mike Hurley, we are joined by a very special guest. It's Mr. Merlin Mann. Hi, Merlin. Hey, Jason. Thanks for having me on, buddy. Thanks for sitting in. I really appreciate it. It's very nice of you to do that.
1: It's my pleasure. How are things going up in your neck of the woods?
0: Uh, Pretty good. Pretty good. It's been hot. We've had a heat wave here. Super hot, but nobody cares about that because it's time for Snell Talk. Oh, yeah. right. Well done. Well done. <laughs> You've uh, you got a future in this business. What is the, uh, what is the Snell Talk question? do you have that there?
1: Well, people wanting to know things about uh, Jason Snell uh, can send things with the pound sign Snell Talk hashtag. This week, Chris Lanza asks... Second
0: favorite cheese? Oh, I love cheese questions.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, is it, is it stipulated for the record that Manchego bought at Whole Foods with Apple Pay is your favorite cheese?
0: <laughs> you know, uh, it's not my favorite cheese. It's oh. a great cheese, though. I <laughs> okay. know, I know. I'm, they're going to rewrite the Wikipedia page now, um, the podcast page. I, uh, I like, I like Manchego. It's very good, but I, I feel like it's taken on a life of its own. I like, I like lots of cheeses. Um, I am not the biggest cheese lover in my family. My wife is the cheese connoisseur i'm sort of uh, second level I, I learn from from the master but um cheddar good sharp cheddar i just love it oh, love yeah. it love it love it um That's a good i cheese. had on on my tr- on my road trip i had um there was a there's a a, a a chain of sandwich restaurants called port of subs which i'd never been to before it's actually pretty good despite the kind of Hunt for Red Octoberish name. Send um, one sub only. I, I would have liked to eat in this sandwich in Montana. <laughs> uh, they may be in Montana. I don't know. I I ate them in uh, Nevada, but uh, they had a smoked cheddar on uh, like a salami and turkey sandwich. It was really good too. So I like I like cheddar a lot and Gouda, which I never really got before. But I've been really getting into Gouda lately. We had a barbecue chicken pizza. On uh on our road trip at God, where was that? I think that was in Tahoe, mm. and it, and it was a barbecue chicken pizza that had gouda on it, which um totally worked and was awesome. And the next time I make barbecue chicken pizza, I'm going to put gouda on it because mm. uh despite the wrath of Syracuse, I will mm. already be down upon me yeah, for that's, making that's, a barbecue that's, that's chicken no pizza. pizza.
1: That's not canonical pizza.
0: No, but I don't care because it's so good. I so agree? yeah, that that's I don't know if what which one of those would rank first and second and third or whatever. Manchego is still really great though. So. But thank you, Chris. Thank for you, Chris. Chris, uh,
1: last name, unwithheld.
0: Uh, let's do some follow-up. What do you say? Pew, pew, pew. <laughs> thank you. Uh, I wanted to mention to Upgrade listeners, which if you're listening to the show, guess what? You are an Upgrade listener. That Hello. the membership bonus... Is up. This is Relay Anniversary Month. And if you are a supporter of Relay, you get a bunch of bonus episodes this time of year from all of the great shows. <laughs> just walked right into that. And uh, you can go to relay.fm/slash membership. To find out more, but we have many, many, many bonus episodes up. The upgrade bonus is once again a an upgrade Cortex crossover bonus. We're doing another text adventure. Last year we did the Six Gun Showdown. This year it's Spooky Manor, <laughs> featuring me as the parser, your computer, your Apple II, and uh, Mike and CGP Grey are the uh, players arguing about what things they should enter, what commands they should enter into the computer in order to navigate through a scary haunted or not, maybe. Who knows? Mm. House. A spooky house. I haven't heard this one yet, but last year's
1: was epic, and your commitment to character was really inspiring.
0: (laughs) Uh, Commitment is a strong word for being a... Sometimes he's a computer, other times he's a person who's trying for the game to not run off the rails. Much
1: like uh, CGP Grey. Yeah.
0: Yeah, there you go. So that, that's mine, but the that it doesn't stop there, because you and I, Merlin, we both have other podcasts on Relay, and that means we both have other membership bonus things that are happening. Either they're up or they're coming up soon. What do you have for Yeah,
1: Rutgers? these things are they're coming out like one a day. It's crazy balls. Uh, well, I'm very happy to say, um, for the second year in a row, uh, John Syracuse and I, with our show we do called Reconcilable Differences, our member episode is up. It is called Peak Idiot, and it is, a, uh, I think, a very entertaining visit with um, Alex Cox and Max Temkin from Cards Against humanity uh with whom i do the do by friday podcast and uh it's it's manic and funny and it's serious and uh, long-winded and i think if you like any of those shows uh you should uh, check it out because these, these things are just they're so good a lot of the shows i love that they do something different mix it up a little bit uh and and like syracuse says i mean i'm happy to have my show up there but i really enjoy all the other all the great shows it's it's really great you got another one though don't you
0: uh, there's so many so um so Alex by the way and Savannah who do Roboism on Relay FM they did uh similar to what you did a crossover with a different podcast from a from from not from outside of Relay we did a Roboism robot or not crossover where they quizzed me and John Syracuse about uh Elon Musk facts <laughs> So that's up as, a, as an extra for relay members. It's not a draft. It's it's a quiz. and And John would point out, and I'm surprised he didn't point this out during the episode, that the format of the quiz, which was basically each of us got to answer separately and sort of not even decide who would answer first— uh, was was questionable in the sense that once I was ahead of John by one point I could have just kept guessing the same thing he guessed and oh. guaranteed my win which I didn't do but it was a, I questioned the game show structure of it but it was a lot of fun to talk He's about very Elon competitive
1: Musk. Uh, given that he's a good cop. Very yeah. competitive fella.
0: Yeah, y- absolutely. You know, he's a gamer, he's a gamer, he's mm-hmm. a game player. Uh we did a free agents episode that will be coming out on September 1st. David Sparks and I were um We are in the same place at the uh, Masters of Automation conference a couple of weeks ago. And so we recorded a couple episodes of Free Agents, the current episode that's out, which is about David's sort of history and how he got where he is today, Uh, you know, going through law school, going to a firm, and then going out on his own. It's really, if you ever wondered about David's backstory, it's a great episode. But we also recorded a totally off topic, like the stuff that we do when we're not doing our jobs, things we do for fun, Uh, a lot of Star Wars talk in there, because David's a huge Star Wars fan. I Mm -hmm. think I mentioned Star Trek at some point just to try to counterbalance it a little bit. (laughs) So that's a good one. We are going to do a download clockwise combo episode. I'm not quite sure when that's going to happen. We're still trying to work that out between me and Stephen Hackett and Dan and Micah. And uh, Stephen Hackett and I have already recorded our um, liftoff bonus episode where we watched last year we watched Apollo 13. This year we watched Contact um, starring Jodie Foster, which is not not uh based in a true story as far <laughs> well, I as you to make it clear uh it's, i don't think we contacted aliens in uh, the clinton administration but you never know you're I gonna mean, get a tweet from neil,
1: neil degrasse tyson
0: it, it, maybe mm-hmm. it's possible It's possible. He's probably working on his book. It's made me really, I just want to say thank
1: you to everybody who has joined up. Here on the back channel, things are going pretty well, which makes me feel great. And I've gotten a lot of nice little notes and toots from people to say that uh, they went and they signed up. I mean, for as little as $5 a month. Um, It's not simply to have my own pocket. I like that it helps the whole network. So I just want to say thanks to everybody who's done that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You can sign up for a for the All the Great Shows plan, which supports um, all the shows on the network. Or if you have one show like this one or or one of the other ones that you really love, you can support it directly and the money goes there. And uh, And a common question is, if I sign up for to support Upgrade, do I get all of the specials? And the answer is yes, you get all the specials for all the shows for this year and for last year. They're all in one feed. You get the feed information when you sign up for yep. a membership. So thank you and that ends our pledge drive this is one thing also we don't we don't talk about this every week of the year this happens in pledge pledge time and then we go away so um more hardware uh draft stuff though to talk about for follow-up i think this this qualifies for follow-up last episode was the apple hardware draft me mike Stephen hackett john syracuse and alex cox uh drafted apple hardware and that was a fun episode. That that mm-hmm. totally could have been a membership member special, but because oh, I didn't even do it. We're going to do it right now. Get get ready everybody. Look at their look at your overcast if you have a chance. Here we go. Merlin is here. Therefore, we are continuing the upgrade summer of fun. Yeah. I choose Skeletor. that's right, Merlin. You're part of the summer of fun. Put a uh, put some uh, flip flops on, Merlin. It's time. Uh, we're, <laughs> it's we're casual, man. <laughs> yeah, it's the summer of fun. Yeah uh, one one of the parts of the summer of fun was we did the hardware draft because we were I was traveling, Mike was traveling. We pre recorded that episode. Couldn't have it be about anything timely. It was a lot of fun. Then we stuck around and Professor Syrac- Syracuse took us to school about Blade Runner. That which was had to good. Happen. That was it good. Was you
1: really you are really stuck on your position. You, you again. You stayed in character the whole time. You did not capitulate.
0: Which which position is it? The one that Deckard's not a replicant, or the one that's inducing? No,
1: your position that you know it's fine.
0: It's fine. That's that's, that's what that's, I get from a, you every time the, you talk about Blade Runner. That's the classic <laughs> Snell position, isn't it? It's like eh, it's fine. It's Do you fine. like our owl? Yeah, I, I think the owl's fine. It's fine. It's owl. fine. Uh, yeah. uh, listener Jeffrey wrote in to say that Alex won his heart for taking the battery case. Which I thought was an odd pick, but he, he, but Jeffrey thinks, great, I freaking love that thing, he said, and now I have a friend. Hashtag, yeah. high five. Very I'm envious.
1: Nice. I got the big boy phone, so they don't make it for mine, but it, the people who have it seem to really love it. Yeah, you, you got the big boy phone, so you've got the big boy battery. <laughs> it yeah. Doesn't need a case. I've been pretty happy with it, but like, it's it's funny how that started out. It was such a controversial release in so many ways because i mean the the big story was oh look at this apple's even admitting that their battery sucks but you know it's a little little dim and short-sighted but you know anybody could use more battery power i've sure. I, I'm, I'm lousy with jackeries i've got so many batteries all over the place that i use for everything but like having something on board like that can be really nice especially if it's nicer to hold
0: yeah i i hear that i'm going caseless now but wow i get it we on, on the road trip we had uh all of our phones at various points were we're running out of battery life just being when you're once you're away from outlets all the time then you have that moment of like oh no right you take it for granted and then you you get to see your your battery life in action and lauren's phone is a i think it's an iphone 6 and it's just getting long enough in the tooth now that it's having those kind of conditions where it gets down to the low voltage and it Mm -hmm. starts to get confused like i don't have any more battery power and then you plug it in for two minutes and it says now i've got 30 percent. that's what is that what causes
1: that my wife had that with hers
0: as well it's it's a voltage thing i i um, went to the yosemite conference with a podcast listener who I believe works on the Apple, or at that point anyway, worked on on the Apple, uh, uh, something about the iPhone team that was involved with batteries and charging and things like that. And he talked to me about it. And it's like, this is one of the challenges with these chemical batteries that we use in all these devices is they don't know like the real capacity they're measuring the the uh, power that's coming out of it and if the if that uh measurement is they try they try their best right but that measurement is what it is and sometimes it can cause this scenario where it looks like it's less drained than it actually is because the battery is behaving different differently it also comes to that point where you if you've ever had that where like the phone shuts off and you're like what is going on and then you turn it back on and it says oh i'm fine now where what probably happened is that the phone tried to use more power than the battery could give it. It went into emergency shutdown. And then when you started to back up, whatever was the power drain is gone. And so then it's like, oh no, it's okay now. It's just, huh. you know, it's not as... Apple, you know, tries to cover up all of the... They sand off all the rough edges because they think like, you don't want to be bothered by variability of battery life. We're going to make it look like it's fine. Just like how when you charge to 100%, it's not always at 100%. Like right. they don't... Because you can't keep feeding a battery that is... It's not good to, to like let the battery drain down a tiny bit and then charge it back up again so when when you plug in your phone it gets to 100% it actually lets it it stops charging and, and it runs down a little bit um, and they they've written the software so it says it's at hundred percent even when it's not because they don't want people concerned about it. Um, but they want to do the right thing. Everybody would complain like, but I had it plugged in and it said it's 95%, right? So they just they sand that little rough edge down. But the problem is that then when weird things happen, all those edges are sanded off and as an as owner of a phone, you're like, what the heck is going on? Right, right. And especially because that saga. causes
1: causes people such a panic. I mean, you, you post something on right. the internet that shows your phone at 4% and that's all anybody notices.
0: Yeah, that, Well, that's true too. There are people, they watch those status bars. I can see that your battery's running low. <laughs> that's right. Why would you reveal that to the world you should keep that perfectly private (laughs) bad opsec yeah Uh, todd wrote in uh listener todd to say uh, Stephen hackett was close but no one picked his favorite which was the 2003 17 inch (laughs) power book i hate you all xoxo see again it's Mm. you know and he also said and no one picked a newton shame 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 um i i think no one picked a newton because uh, we picked good Apple hardware. Oh, nope. snap. I no, said it. No, you didn't. Oh. Oh. And uh, I have nothing particularly positive to say about the 17-inch powerbook, other than that, you know, it makes a great lunch tray. But Merlin, <laughs> you, had, you had one of those, right? You had a, you had a 17-inch you powerbook. You sent
1: me down memory lane with some of this follow-up. It's, it's funny. I, um, so I had, and I put this in, in your document. Um, when I had my .com job, I got, I believe this is the one I got. I, I got an Apple <clears throat> PowerBook G3 400. I had the Lombard, where it had the little bays that you could have two batteries or one oh, yeah. battery plus uh, a DVD player, you know, an optical drive. Yeah. Uh, and I just, I, I sent, it, sent you this link on .com. The thing weighed 5.9 pounds, which is three, approximately three of my MacBook Adorable. <laughs> It was, nope. it was it was it was a it was a beefy boy, and uh, I loved it. I loved it so much. It was my first laptop that I owned. I used to take the old what are the ones? Was it the PowerBook one hundred? I think you mentioned that on the show. That I used to bring that one home from work every night when I discovered the internet, mm-hmm. and that was it was so amazing and plug it into the modem and all of that. But I love I love my uh, my Lombard, but it was really it was getting very long in the tooth, uh, and then I eventually <clears throat> I got a gig and I treated myself to the 17-inch PowerBook, and it was really,
0: really big. What did that thing weigh? Do you remember? I don't. It was pretty beefy. It was, was, yeah. I mean, the way it was sold was essentially, it's a desktop computer that you can fairly easily carry from place to place. Because it was, yeah, it was not, I mean, it was a 17-inch laptop. It was really not meant to be portability wasn't the point other than like movability. So what we used to call back in the classic Mac days, lugability. (laughs) I I mean, I I imagine we're going to get
1: to this in a bit, but it was such an interesting time where there was these, these different ends of the spectrum. That was for somebody who said, well, I'm reluctant to get a laptop because I need my big screen. And it it definitely served that, but uh, boy, it was a monster. I finally, I think Mm. I finally, I, you know, I need to go and make sure all of the batteries are out. Because you get the, get the swelling batteries, we've got some right. very swelly batteries, especially the uh, the twelve inch old twelve inch uh, G fours. Those boys get real swelly. But uh, yeah, I just uh, I just think that was such an interesting time. I'm glad they made it. You know, they were they were swinging for the fences with that one.
0: This is always the question about Apple and what they make that. Uh, when they keep it super simple, everybody's like, "Ah, oh, yes, Apple with its its discipline and yeah, its always with, product the, set. with
1: Steve's two by two grid, right?
0: right, right." So that gets fetishized a little bit of like, "Oh, keeping it simple." But the downside of the super simple product grid, there's upside, right? It, it, the the days before that grid, right, where there was like ten different performa. Systems with different numbers, and it was like super confusing. And he wanted to simplify it down. But if you if you get to that point, the downside of the of the simplified product grid is that if you want, you know, if you you can have any laptop you want as long as it's black. (laughs) Basically, like there's only the one laptop, and that frustrates people too. But if Apple then says, "Well, what we're gonna here's what we're gonna do: we're gonna have a MacBook Air and a MacBook and a 13 inch MacBook without Touch Bar and a 13 MacBook." Pro with Touch Bar and the 15 with Touch Bar, then people are like, oh, that's so confusing. You have so many laptops. Where's the old Apple that was so focused and limited? And, you know, it goes both ways. I think having more choice is better. I think the challenge is that you know, how much energy mental energy is apple focusing on the mac right now and do they really want i feel like they're already being kind of dragged reluctantly into building a mac pro and a monitor for the mac pro and Mm -hmm. and they've got the imac pro so even though and they sell all of these laptops so much of the product line is laptops but i do wonder like how many macs can we expect apple to make today uh, because I do think that, yeah, the more Mac models you get, this is the argument for the Mac Mini, too. It's like, why does the Mac Mini exist? It doesn't sell particularly well, but it sort of sweeps up a whole bunch of people who are like, I really need to buy a Mac, but. And it answers a lot of those questions. Is like, but I can't because, and you say, but Mac Mini will do that for you, right? Like, right. That, it, it solves that. And, you know, that's, that's good to do as long as Apple thinks that it's worth their, their time and their energy and their focus. And I, it just feels like that's not the case like it used to be.
1: Yeah, The other thing is, I mean, obviously, the times have changed. So much has changed. You know, this was, we're talking about a time here when, so for example, on that power book uh, on my Lombard, I got, I think it was an Orinoco card. So you'd have this kind of ungainly card sticking out if you wanted to have Wi-Fi when Wi-Fi became became a thing, which is, you know, kind of right around this time. But, you know, it's, I, I think... Not to feed the anger, but I think if there's something that frustrates people, you look at somebody like, I think Marco has addressed this really well in talking about, um, for example, trying to take your Mac, maybe an extraordinary situation, but take your laptop somewhere where you want to be able to to be connected to to power and be able to record things, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's just that back then, I think it really was presented as, or at least it felt like it was presented as, here's a trade-off right? So I went from, I had a G3, I had the Lombard, then I had the 17-inch. And then, in maybe 2005 or six, I picked up the 12-inch, which I instantly <laughs> fell in love with. But they really, you know, they really were for different things. And then I found, I bought somebody's used one after that. I used to complain about this on MacBreak Weekly. Like, why don't they keep making this amazing laptop? But, the, you know, you understood that, hey, that 12-inch that laptop was really, that screen was crazy small. But yeah. you, you had the benefit, right? You had the benefit of now having this ultra portable thing that was actually fine for writing, if you had to do a lot of graphic stuff, yeah, you like that 17 inch. I think the feeling now, at least with some old Mac stalwarts who we, we may be shown our, our age and how out of date we are, but that's the frustrating part is where you feel like there is no truly high end where, you know, the sort of like Fry throwing your money at the camera, like, take my money, I want to have all the ports. Like, it's not Dell, Like You're not going to get that. And I think right. that's what drives people a little crazy is that as Marco, I think, aptly, there was an episode of ATP where he talked about this. Even if you do everything the right way, you still can't do all the stuff and have power. It's like the, the, the ecosystem is not where it needs to be to do anything where you would want a laptop as portable device that, that is a truly able replacement for a desktop. And I think that's what drives people crazy.
0: That's, it's funny you gave back the five inches there to go from the 17 to the 12. An- Listener Andrew wrote in to say, uh, I get not drafting of it, but not considering the 12-inch PowerBook G4 is one of Apple's best. Well, I, I considered it. It was sure. on, I think, my long list. Maybe I didn't mention that in the Bring Out Your Dead round at the end, but I love the 12-inch PowerBook G4. I loved it um, so much. And you know I use those small... I use the iBook, uh, the white iBook and the black iBook right, and the 12-inch right. PowerBook, and that's why I got the MacBook Air. I mean, and, and that's why I got the 11-inch MacBook Air, ultimately, right? I love those little laptops. That 12-inch PowerBook G4 was amazing at the time. It felt, it um, felt pretty magical yeah. at the
1: time. I, I was yeah. um, doing stuff with um, my pal Danny O'Brien at the time, and I had my 17-inch, and he had that 12-inch, and he'd sit there on a chair in my house with this thing in his lap, and I was just, I just, just sending arrows at him. Like, I wanted it so much. I was like that yeah. tiny little... And then I got it, and I loved it. It was perfect for writing. It was great for stuff like that.
0: That's just like that scene on Game of Thrones last night where there's uh, the mountain and uh, and Tyrion Lannister are next to each other. It's just like that. (laughs) It's exactly. 17-inch laptop, 12-inch laptop right next to each other. Exactly like that. The contrast. Enjoy the contrast. Um, Listener Kay Lango wrote in to say, thanks, Jason, for picking what you picked last I was screaming it in my head when round three began, which is that was my controversial choice of the laser writer, which it's just funny. I for, I, I didn't realize that people uh, had forgotten how important that thing was. It but changed the game. If you didn't game. live through it, it you don't know. It changed the game. Yeah, totally, totally did. I mean, it's not you know, just a printer. It was a, that's what caused desktop publishing to happen, basically. It was a huge deal.
1: Yeah, I mean, like in our Mac lab at my college, circa 1988, 89, you know, there was, there was a bunch of SEs. And then there was, I feel like the SE30 wasn't out yet, but we had a higher end one that would that could do more stuff and the ability to run PageMaker on there and to graphically use those window shades to pull text down. I mean, that's how my career, such as it is, began was desktop publishing and graphics. I wasn't very good at it, but other people didn't do it. I knew how, but that would not have been the same without the LaserWriter. The LaserWriter, that ability to just go print and in a few seconds, what you had on screen Gorgeously, what? three hundred dpi? I mean it was it changed everything,
0: yep, yep. it was uh, it's just one of those things where it's like it's so easy to overlook it now if you didn't live through it, but um, it's it changed the world. and so that was and you know, we're doing a draft. I like to keep something in my best in my back pocket that's a little unusual, right? And uh, I want to
1: remind people though when you when you get the you forgot syndrome from people we forgot yeah. so you know you kind of go well you know it's a draft we can't have all the things or yeah. it wouldn't be a draft
0: yeah that's right i didn't maybe we didn't forget it. so when people write in and say i can't believe you didn't pick yeah there's only which happens with every single draft that i've ever done right there's only two possible responses and one is um well we just didn't get to it you're right that was that was a great thing it was on maybe somebody's list and we just didn't get to it the other response is oh we didn't forget. Yeah. <laughs> like, like I, you, you, I know you wanted us to pick that one, but we don't, we don't like not Like, the Newton is one of those, where I guess John might have picked the Newton at some point. And the Newton is interesting in some ways. But it's like, in all Apple history of hardware made by Apple, would I ever pick a Newton? It's like picking no. an 8-track player. It's like, you no, remember sorry, that fondly, but
1: do you remember really actually having to have an 8-track player as the way you listen to the music? It was the worst. I've angered all
0: eight newton fans thank out you very much to everyone for listening i have two newtons <laughs> i have two newtons in my house uh, Do it's they a kiss? weird product <laughs> uh, they should i should put them together one of them is in a little leather leather zip up case and the, ah, other the mother of not. dragons yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh let's take a break uh from uh, follow-up and let me tell you about a sponsor yes because mike is not here i will tell you about eero Never think about Wi-Fi again. Eero has created the dream Wi-Fi setup, a fast, reliable connection throughout your house, even your backyard. Now is the best time to get on board with Eero as they've just released their new super slick second generation devices. I have them here. They are powering the Snell House Wi-Fi right at this moment. Super easy to add them in. Using the Eero app, and my network stayed up <laughs> as I was adding in devices and then removing other devices. It was pretty great. It's a tri band second generation model, and they also have the Eero beacon, which lets you build a Wi Fi system that's perfectly tailored for your home. I got a box that had one of the, the main Eero base stations and two of the beacons, which uh, communicate to the, the base station and extend very easily without any fiddly setup, extend your Wi Fi around your home. So now the Wi Fi camera. And the smart light bulb that I have kind of in an extended far front of the house gets solid Wi-Fi. Uh, I never knew that I would need to extend my Wi-Fi base station for a light bulb, but this is where we are in 2017. The new second-generation Eero includes a third 5 gigahertz radio, so it's twice as fast as before. This lets you do more than ever whatever your Wi-Fi needs. Eero has the power to blanket your whole home and fast, reliable Wi-Fi. It sits flat on any surface. Plug it into the wall with the included power adapter, and you're ready to connect your Eero either with Ethernet or wirelessly. New Eero also includes a new thread radio, which is going to let you connect to low-power devices such as smartphones home devices and the new beacon you plug it into a wall that's it it expands coverage it's got a little night light with an ambient light sensor so it will also be a night light plus extend your wi-fi and uh, that works great and can I, can afraid, I join in
1: and endorse yes. on this? I don't want to sure. interrupt you. It's your show.
0: Join. join. I was just going to say, people. some people don't like the night lights. They like I like. Well, they you like can it turn dark, that right? off. You can you the turn the LEDs
1: off. on. We are all in on the Eero lifestyle. They were kind enough to send me this, this second generation one. Uh, it took about 15 minutes to set up, and I really, really like it. it I, I do this really dumb, compulsive thing where when it occurs to me, uh, all of a sudden I'll be laying in bed, as I do, and I'll pop open the app, and I'll go in. I'll just go test the Wi-Fi. And you just go test the Wi-Fi. And then today, here's the crazy thing. I'm in my bedroom. I'm two beacons away from the actual source of internet. And I was getting 130 megabits down in my bedroom. I don't have I don't have Fios. This is with just uh, CableTown. But we were getting like 130 down with, with two beacons away from the actual source. Yeah. If, and you can also go in. What I love, this is so anal. You do not need to do this. <laughs> but you can go in and it shows you all of the devices that are currently on your network and all the devices that were recently on your yeah. network. Uh, your network so my sister-in-law was at the house this weekend and i saw that her phone was on there and so we you know i go in i give it an emoji i give it a nice name and if i ever see something on there that seems super weird i can block it i love i love the app it's so rare in this age of terrible internet security cameras don't get me started but Mm. in this era it's so nice to see an app that actually really works and is working for you it's making sure that everything is working even when you're not using it this is a great product
0: and you said two beacons away. I think that's the thing that if, if you're somebody who has is skeptical of the idea that you aren't just getting your Wi-Fi from a, an Ethernet wired base station, that all of these extenders are are bad, right? That used to be the case. Extend, extending a Wi-Fi with an unwired connection that was just a repeater used to be pretty janky. I did that for a little while, and it was not really reliable. And these uh, these beacons from Eero, it's it's new tech. They they have multiple radios, so they're talking to each other on one band while the Wi-Fi is on a, d- a different band and the speeds are impressive. So if you've got a hard-to-wire house where you're not going to be able to run Ethernet or power line or anything like that to other parts of the house, you can chain the beacons together and actually get good Wi-Fi where you need it, which is pretty great, especially since now we do have these connected home devices that are in our backyards or front yards or whatever and are on Wi-Fi. And they need, now you need a Wi-Fi signal where you may never be, but there's a device there that needs to get on your Wi-Fi. So the new Eero system starts at $399. That gets you one second generation eero plus two beacons to put throughout your home that's everything you need to get started listeners to upgrade can get free overnight shipping to the u.s or canada go to eero.com that's e-e-r-o.com. use the promo code upgrade for free overnight shipping thank you to eero for their support of upgrade thanks for the help merlin that was nice oh my pleasure it's a, a, little it's a guest, good uh, good product yeah a little guest, bit of a guest, it, guest endorsement yeah, they, they didn't us. tell us to say that that's because it's the summer of fun oh i'm hearing my flip-flops Let's t- you take them off now and put uh, the sand between your 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 toes. Mm. Mm-hmm. Just visualize, visualize Damn. Hawaii. So, uh, topic number one, I think, should probably be that it's the end of August, which means. September, which is a big month for Apple, stuff. It means is people just like around you are
1: dying for something to finally talk about.
0: <laughs> I know, it, like it's the month. It, it's it, the. I, I think we said back in June. I said this feels like August. At some point, uh, this feels like an August story to Mike because there's that the 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 after WWDC you get into this sort of like there's some rumors and all that, but really you're kind of putting it in cruise control mm-hmm. for the betas of the of of the OS and you know there's going to be a hardware event in the fall and the OSS will get finalized and all of that will happen and here we are at the end of August and. And um, invitations to a new Apple event could come out at any moment. They they uh, they haven't come out as we record this, but they really could come out now or maybe now or maybe now. Could but be now. Sometime could in, be the now. Next, mm-hmm. in the next couple of weeks. Um, there was a, a French website called Mac Forever that a few days ago reported that they thought the event was going to happen on September 12th. And I was like, okay, but I don't really know anything about this site. But uh, a, a slightly more reputable Organization today confirmed that September 12th date, and that was the Wall Street Journal. So I think it's more likely that it'll happen. Uh, the Journal reported, though, that was kind of interesting that um, they basically were like, they want to do it at the Steve Jobs Theater on the new Apple campus, but they don't know if they're going to be able to do that or not. And... Um, I'm pretty sure they know where they're going to have that event if it's going to be in two weeks, right? (laughs) I, I think they probably know. Um, but maybe the journal source doesn't know that it's also possible. My guess is what they did was at some point. They as they always do. They probably reserved some dates at a venue or even venues and, and plotted them out on the calendar. Like you know, we're gonna we're gonna take September the sixth here, and we're gonna take the twelfth here, and maybe even like we'll take the nineteenth at this venue. And they might have been the same venue or maybe some different venues because I'm sure they weren't counting on. The Steve Jobs Theater being ready, like they probably have to hedge that. Mm-hmm. So, but now with two weeks to go, like at some point if they're if they're going to be at the Flint Center or at the McHenry Convention Center or at the Bill, uh, Bill Graham Civic Auditorium in San Francisco, where they've done the last two they're going to have to start, like, building stuff, right? Because they, they don't just take the building as it is. They they erect, like, demo areas, and it depends on, you know, which the venue is. But they, they've, they for the Flint Center and for the Bill Graham, uh, like the Yerba Buena events that they've done in the past, they've actually built up, like their own structures around the venue in order to get exactly what they want. That's presumably the Steve jobs theater gives them all of the stuff that they normally have to build. They get to have complete control. It's their property, right? But since these other places, that's not the case. I think we'll, we'll see pretty quickly here. That either they're going to be somewhere else and they've got to do the build, or they really are going to do it on Apple, the Apple Park campus. Which that would be exciting uh, if that was our first, uh, our first view of the Apple Park campus was the, the, you know, the iPhone event this fall. That would be awesome. But it sounds like you know at least this reporting can't can't pin it down. All it could all it could do is say they'd like to have it there, and I have no doubt that they would like to have it there. I just don't know if they're going to manage it.
1: Yeah, and I, I just I don't have any information about this, but I would have to I guess guess that they would not want the first high profile event at the theater named for Steve Jobs to go anything but flawlessly.
0: I do I do wonder about that. Like I had the thought of Do you want? I get wanting to make your big splash iPhone event, the first event at the at the Steve Jobs Theater. I also wonder like. Would you be better off with a slightly lower profile event? Mm -hmm. Like an October event where you announce some minor stuff or a or a you know, a spring event where you announce some new Macs or whatever. Would that be a better time to to do a dry run at that theater rather than because the iPhone event is the big event. Like the mm-hmm. most people care about it. Um, it's the one that generates the most web traffic. It generates the most video streams. It is the biggest uh, attendance in terms of like press and VIP attendance. The WWDC keynote is bigger, but it, that's because they're all the developers who are at the conference there. But like the iPhone event is the big event. And so it's going to pr- put all the stress, maximum stress on this new venue and the infrastructure, the networking infrastructure, like everything at the new campus. It, so I don't know, maybe they're going to go for that. But that's that's, uh, that's a big one, if that's what they do, that, to, to have the first event be this high profile big event. So I feel like if I had to guess at this point, given that I have yet to even talk to somebody at Apple who has moved into the new park, apple park campus i know they're moving people in but i keep running into people or chatting with people who are probably going to move there who are like oh yeah we haven't moved there yet now that's been a month or so but it's like i don't know my gut feeling is that if i had to pick i'd say it's more than a 50 percent chance that they will they will be somewhere else i know they really want to do it i'm sure they really want to do it um and it's great if they do but it is like high stakes for a brand new facility they must have supreme confidence um and it just it feels like i don't know we're getting we're getting down to the wire here but if they set a date they must have confidence or they've decided to not go with it mm-hmm. that's that's the funny thing cuz i figured like if they're doing it on their own campus, they don't need to set the date, right? They could they could say, well, it's, it turns out we're not going to do the twelfth. We're going to do the nineteenth, or we're going to do the twenty sixth. They they can do uh, that. That's they're a good free point. to do that yeah, if it's yeah. on their campus. They can pick a date. All of these old rules about venues, outside venues, are gone because they control that site. It's completely theirs. They they have they can call a, an event there on the drop of a hat. I mean, that's not really true because there's still lots of event prep they have to do, um, even if it's an on campus event. But they control everything about it in a way that they don't when it's the flint center or or bill graham or something like that so i don't know but if it's the 12th that's like the last two years it's been the wednesday after labor day this puts it back to where it was three years ago which is the tuesday the second week in september which i think is a better a better time and uh they they the, all the rumors are that they're going to load up, I mean, it's going to be one of those packed events again, because there's, there's a rumor that there's a next generation Apple Watch, there's a 4K Apple TV. Of course, there's the, the new iPhone, which sounds like we may be seeing three new models, including the 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 high-end OLED model that has sure. been rumored so much um and then the os launches presumably would happen then too so there's there's just a huge swath of stuff it's hard they they like to fit that in two hours right but that that that's a packed event that is the packed event if they're doing all of that plus possibly like homepod update um i don't know there's a lot going on that could be (sighs) so much thing
1: you get that feeling when you when you watch it i mean they feel like they're becoming more and more uh propulsive and and how quickly they move through them, where, like, the last one, I guess from Dob-Dob, was when uh, it just felt like it was almost breathless, how quickly they were moving through it. There's so much stuff. It's kind of like the news cycle, am I right? Where there's so much stuff that almost would have been its own event at one point that now becomes, like, a few words on a slide. It's crazy. And
0: and stuff gets knocked out and announced early, which is something that I actually do expect that to happen in the next couple of weeks, too, is that we're going to start getting some things that just get announced. Yeah, 4K 4K (laughs) Apple TV, I mean, that...
1: I think that's something that, that probably doesn't need a huge amount of stage time.
0: Well, I, I think if they're really pushing the power of the for the Apple TV and they want to reset the narrative, which is currently like Apple stuff is overpriced and not as good and they're way behind in losing market share. Right. I think you, you want it on stage if if you're trying to change the, the game. It, it allows them to bring like bring disney and netflix and who knows who else on stage to say yeah we're we've got all this hdr 4k content that we're making available on itunes or on our service that'll be on the apple tv like i feel like when mike comes back and we play keynote uh keynote draft that's going to be one of the draft items is like you know a a uh an entertainment industry executive extols the virtues of apple tv with their new content on stage, because that, that's, that's the thing. is Somebody from ABC comes out there, from right. Disney comes out there and says, for the first time anywhere, we're going to put 4K movies of right. Disney it's, movies on iTunes. It becomes a little 90s. bit of
1: a MacGuffin in some ways. But uh, just hearing people talk about seeing 4K, I think Mike talked about this, but seeing 4K uh, in person, it sounds a little bit like VR, where you can describe it and you can analogize it, but like watching somebody use VR is not super persuasive. And with yeah. the 4K, it's like seeing that 4K on a TV that you're watching in the room yeah. is apparently really quite a thing, and I just don't know how well yeah. that's going to play in a non-analogized way. You know, well, yeah, a, how
0: do you show off HD on exactly. an SD TV? You can't. You really can't. How do you right. show color on a, on a black and white TV? You can't do it. So I agree, it's a hard sell, but I feel like they'll probably put like their their shoulder into it a little bit because they want to they want to plug this stuff but you're right as a consumer it's hard the, the truth is i've got a 4k tv i've got a 50 inch 4k tv and i i think it's too small and too far away from our couch for me to really notice the difference i i do watch stuff in 4k on it mm-hmm. and granted it's netflix so it's really compressed but the 1080 <laughs> stream is really compressed on netflix too and maybe it looks better maybe that's just a placebo i think the reality is, is that 4k matters most if you're somebody who has a very big TV, yeah. and that's a slice of the market that cares, but it's a l- relatively limited slice of the market. The HDR stuff might actually be more interesting. because That's, the new what, HDR I, that's what I hear. Where, yeah, yeah. It's And, you know, I guess eventually
1: it's going to depend. I guess more and more stuff is pushing this content out. But, like, as of now we have a 1080p TV that's badly in need of replacement. Um, but like I deliberately do not sit to, I'll sit a lot closer to the screen for watching a Pixar movie from Apple than I will for watching say Game of Thrones. Cause yeah. it's very disappointing to sit close to the TV for
0: that. You, you go, yeah, you go blind. they compression. They're compression. You blind on, if you sit too close to the TV, HBO's compression yeah. is rough. Arrays. It's bad. Yeah. Well, compression, mm-hmm. compression is not good. I mean, when, it, when you sit too close to a TV, um, and do this if you haven't like if you've got a digital source of any kind um go walk up close to your tv and look at the uh at the compression because it's pretty staggering you're not you can't sit too close because it's meant to fool you from at least a little bit of a distance that's that's sort of the point yeah it looks like a Um,
1: jpeg from you know 10 years ago
0: but the HDR stuff, I think the idea that you can get blacker blacks and brighter brights and that there's more dynamic range across the the picture is something that's going to pop out more. And so you put 4K plus HDR together and the message, you know, part of, is this, is this a conspiracy to tell, sell more television sets? Totally. Because 3D didn't work yeah. and the HD revolution is over. Everybody's already got HD now. So they got to move on to the next thing. And 4K HDR is, is, is the latest attempt by the TV industry to sell you a new television set and some people will get a lot out of it but it's not we're never gonna see i think in our probably in our lifetimes unless there's like a headset thing that that ends up being amazing but it's gonna be a while before we see something that's as dramatic a jump as sd to hd for the regular average everyday viewer where they're like oh yeah yeah, now i get a widescreen tv with hd it looks way better after that all of this stuff is way more incremental and I'm excited about it because I do kind of care more than the average person is. It cares about it. But even, even I, with my 4k TV, I look at this and I'm like, yeah, yeah and then you're also going
1: to get into, this is a whole other, you know, kettle of fish, but then you're going to get into like I, you, I, uh, I just recently reached your point where I got the eh, 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 letter from Comcast.
0: Oh yeah. Like, uh, you've downloaded a terabyte and you need to yeah, pay us a lot you more just, money. You now. just
1: got to, that's your first freebie. But, like, after this, you know, that it's going to be real interesting because suddenly all of the providers of that pipe, I mean, that's going to get real interesting when even, like, a, a, I imagine even a fairly small number of their audience starts getting... The, we're, you're talking about a very, very, very large file at that point. But, yes, anyway. Ecosystems. Yeah, that,
0: yeah, it's... Uh... They're still going to want your money. You're just going to pay it to different people for different things, but they're still going to get their money if they uh, if you want to watch this stuff. And yeah, 4K streams. The 4K streams use uh, more the high efficiency video codec stuff, so oh, okay. they are they are better than a comparable you know uh, MPEG four stream. But still, it's a higher bitrate. and I think we can all agree it's, it's uh, times of so. confusion times of confusion well said uh, we should mention the iOS 11 beta there's new beta today in fact oh the I didn't of recording this a couple hours <sighs> later usually they release during the show but they released it uh, right before the show this time um, I'm. I uh, was traveling with my iPad running iOS 11. I I love iOS 11. You're on oh my God. iOS 11 too, right? Yeah, I at iPad? that
1: developer beta eight is out. I mm-hmm. I have it on two iPads, but not my phone because I'm not a crazy person.
0: I did that. I did that this last week. I, I realized if I'm going to write about iOS 11, I, I need to finally yes. bite the bullet and put it on my phone. Well, I mean, it's I, it's.
1: I bet it's pretty far along. Well, you know what yeah, it was? It was just cost benefit of you know. Am I likely to see? Yeah. I mean, it's so obvious, but it's worth saying because there are people who will go out and and like it's a different era. They will just go out and put stuff on their device. Well, that's your phone. Like you're not gonna, if your kid falls down a well, you you don't get the call. You're gonna be bummed. But um, I have been loving iOS 11. I, I'm not even doing that much with the drag and drop, but there's so much. There's so few things that I hate, and a lot of things that I just really, really. I love having a ton of apps down in that little dock thing. I love that. Yeah. I wish they bring back easier now playing controls. Cause I live in Overcast all day long and the big swipe to get to Overcast is still kind of a bummer, but being able to control the Apple TV with one click from the control center is so boss.
0: Yeah, I added, I just customized the control center on um, on my phone since I went to 11 on my phone and that's pretty amazing. Like, I got to remove some stuff that I don't care about, like launching the Apple calculator. It's like I'm gonna use P Calc. I'm not going to use your, your <laughs> right. calculator. But you must feel I like put, Captain
1: Kirk. You got it all right there, right?
0: I got low. I got low energy mode here. I got uh, I got the wallet. I got uh, I got screen recording. I got I got HomeKit. It's all it's all there, and of course the flashlight, which now has a little uh, little uh, scaly thing, so you can like yeah. step it up and down. Just right. It's very nice. Very nice. I love it. Love it.
1: Yeah. And are you on the TVOS beta? No. I did that no. just for uh, poops and giggles, and mm-hmm. I haven't noticed much except for – there's two things I've noticed, both of which I like. One is you know, auto-switching to dark mode, but one my daughter discovered uh, this weekend is – you know how like you're watching something, and if you just kind of lightly brush the area, the mousing area, mm-hmm. you get a pop-up with the, the scrubber? Yeah. If, if you lightly do that again, it shows you the current time and the time that what you're watching will be finished, which is really nice for bedtime reasons. Oh. You don't have to do any arithmetic. It's really cool. No math. That's no good. math. That's cool. I did that today with Faithful Findings. I was able to see it in nine, at 935. Faithfully the greatest
0: ending of a movie ever. Will oh, come. boy. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, faithful Findings. I wonder... I have seen yeah. it. That's one of, the, that's one of those Flophouse movies that I've actually seen. I know. Fateful it's one Findings. of the
1: very, very few that it's I've seen. It's very dramatic
0: when he's on the steps of the Supreme Court giving his speech. It's, well, uh,
1: what you have to understand that he's hacked in. He's got all the documents mm, and he's discovered all of the uh, secret uh,
0: government and corporate secrets. Dear, dear listeners, all I have to tell you is don't watch Fateful Findings. What? Just don't, just oh, don't do it. Oh, you're
1: so wrong. Oh, my God. <laughs> Snow was wrong, pound sign. Oh, no. This is one of the great movies. Don't if nothing else, yourself. treat yourself. Go search on YouTube Faithful Findings end and treat yourself to arguably uh, the greatest ending to a movie of all time. See,
0: Merlin, I I have really enjoyed watching Faithful Findings, but I want to just when somebody who's a uh, complete innocent and stumbles on it, um, I want to I want deniability. I but want to be so, able to say I, it's I told so you nice not to watch because because people I say things. I, I
1: this I'll give you I'll let the cat out of the bag. This is the challenge for this week's due by Friday, and and people always say similar things. where are like, oh, I'm not into bad movies, and I say, oh sweetheart this this is not Bless a bad movie heart. this is way more They go what is this like the room i'm like no the room is so much more competent than this oh yeah no, this, this is, is like this if, is an alien, McCoy, if an alien if an alien described
0: it that way it's like this is this right. is a uh, this is this is as if a movie was made by someone who's never, <laughs> never seen, seen a movie. movie
1: should i have more shots of people's shoes
0: yes <laughs> oh the shoes the shoes watch for the shoes if you do watch faithful findings and i'm not saying you should oh, watch you should. for the shoe shots there are so many shots oh, of people's shoes so
1: much blood dripping and, and shirts hitting the ground with a thud. We should probably put that in show notes. That episode of the okay. Flophouse is, is, is unimpeachably one of the great Flophouse episodes. One of the greatest um, uh, Final Judgments ever, I think.
0: Yeah, it's, a, it's amazing. Uh, and I think that's still on Amazon. I think you can just go watch Flay, Tell you a secret, I could not, it used
1: to be on, but I don't know if it's on Amazon, but there is a version on the site that rhymes with tube.
0: Oh, okay, good. All right, well. <laughs> I don't or want Neil to pull Neil it. Don't Breen, pull it, Neil. This Neil is important. Give your money. Whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, before we move on, you want to talk about uh, – we, we're doing all this tea leaf reading. We're doing all this criminology. Well, we always this do this. I can make this very short. I can make yeah. this
1: very, very short because this is something I think about a lot. I'm just curious because this is the time of year when – you know, I like to give you a little bit of stick about this stuff because this is your mm-hmm. job. And that's what I do is to give people stick. Yep. But, you know, um, you've come through this uh, summer, of, uh, the summer of fun where you don't get a lot of Apple news. And then the news starts kind of spinning up. And you start getting the purported leaks – And everything goes a little crazy. I think Gruber even has a name for this. But it's that crazy time of year when there's so much ludicrous stuff that's getting so much traffic. And, you know, we are idiots and we will click on it. So my question to you, Jason Snell, is... It's the
0: silly season. Silly silly season, season. that's
1: it. Mm -hmm. When you're thinking about this stuff, I mean, obviously, you want to cover what's out there because that's that's your deal. But I'm just like, when do you think... I'm calling it Apple tea leaf reading or Kremlinology. Mm -hmm. When... How and for whom is this kind of guesswork the most useful? Apart from the fact that we just enjoy it as a fun thought exercise, like when do you, for whom especially, do you think this stuff is most useful? Does, well, is, is that
0: a well-formed question? Like yeah, when is that, this that guesswork
1: is. useful to people?
0: Well, th- this I, I'm going to take you back in time for this, because I get to do that, I have the, I have the right, Ooh. which is, I remember back in the day, if you go back, you may remember this too, there was, um, back in the day, there was a, a, a newspaper, basically, a weekly newspaper called Mac Week.
1: Mm-hmm. you get a free was, subscription. If you said you were uh, somebody who bought stuff for your company, they give you a free subscription.
0: Right, well, and that is the key, is, is it was controlled circ, which meant that it was free, but you had to prove that you had this amazing demographic, which is that you bought lots of IT equipment basically. And that was cuz that was the target and then the advertisers would want to reach those people. And that was the whole business model. And that's why it was free. You could not buy it. It was not available on the newsstand. You had to qualify as a a power buyer. Um, and that I always was fascinated cuz I worked at the same company but I worked at Macuser at the time and then later at Macworld that Mac Week, the whole premise was the reason that they reported on Apple, what Apple was doing and other companies in the in the tech industry, especially around Apple, in advance, why they would get leaks, why they would say, here's what's coming next. The premise was that it was for those qualified buyers who have a big budget to be aware of what's coming and plan their purchases accordingly. That was the that was the foundation upon which this entire thing was built. Now we know that lots of the people who subscribed to Mac Week lied about what was on their card because they wanted to know what Apple was doing for fun basically. Like, they were following... It's a, like sports. Yeah, it's like following a drama, following a soap opera or something. It's like a narrative. It's peeking at the back of a book. Um, it's It's rumors about what happens in the next Star Wars movie. It's that kind of thing. I want to know what happens next. And uh, And that was... A portion of what drove that And I always felt And I never worked there So I'm sure people Who worked at MacWeek Would probably tell you No, it, there really were people The core audience Of that publication Was people who actually Did have huge budgets And cared about What Apple was doing next So that they could plan I'm not going to buy These Macs today Because right. there's a new Mac Coming in two months And I'm going to wait for that Or there's a new technology They're putting Firewire In the Macs So I don't want to buy These old Macs With you know whatever crappy wire Is not Fireful I want to buy The Firewire Mac <laughs> So you wait a couple of months and you buy the Firewire Max. I get that, but I feel like, and that that can work on an individual basis. I'm thinking of buying a new iMac. I don't want to buy it today. I want to buy it when the new one comes out in two months. Like there is a value there. So there's some of that. Um, it's, it's not it's not it so that.
1: much your are buying decision it's your not buying decision right it's, so it's, if there's it's, about
0: to be a revolution
1: like i'm always asking syracuse uh, like when is the right time for getting which kind of tv a tv yeah because that's a that's a really big investment and if you're some kind of an it operation and you're going to getting all these seats and these new licenses and all this kind of stuff like it's a it's good to know that like like you say if this is going to have the wire that's fire like i will wait for that
0: yeah, exactly right. So I think, I think there's an aspect to that, but let's be honest, like <laughs> we are, we are also in the entertainment business and it's weird to think of it that way, but it's, I think, it's show it's
1: show business, not show friend.
0: I, I think, I think we, um, oh man, I have a story about that. Uh, I'll share it later. Um, I think, you know, a lot of people who listen to these podcasts and all that, we care about this stuff. We love it. And we want to know what's coming next. And Apple is the perfect company to talk about that because they are secretive and they do interesting, weird stuff and they surprise us or they try to surprise us. And that's why there's a whole industry of reporting on Apple stuff that still happens like in advance, these rumors and things like that, because Apple is the company that's conducive to that. Is everybody who's in- interested in this stuff um, doing it because they have a direct financial responsibility? No. A lot of the listening, and this is true for me, too, is because it's entertaining. It is more than that. A lot of our people do work in the computer industry. They are the people who their friends come to and say, what should I buy? And they want to be informed. That's all true. But the Kremlinology stuff, especially about what Apple's doing next, you know, It's not just about being a very savvy uh, institutional buyer of Macintoshes, right? It's not. It's not. It is also about, I want to know what's next. You know, I want to know. Tell me now. Tell me now. And Apple fights that and says, no, we want to make the splash when we want to make it. We want to tell you the story when we're ready to tell you that story. And that's why they're, you know, doing their doubling down on secrecy and all of that. And that's fair enough. I mean, it's part of their marketing to be secret and have Uh, have these surprises. And I would argue it's probably part of their marketing, even though they don't choose to do it this way. I think it benefits them that there's a buzz about their stuff in advance and that people are buzzing about their products for months before they get announced. I think that benefits them too. Ultimately, as long as too much doesn't get leaked, mm-hmm. I think it helps them that they get months and months and months of oh, this m- might be a new feature in the new iPhone. I think that I think that's good for them. So I, you know, so I I think that's the the truth of it is the Kremlinology stuff is fun and it can be informative, especially in a what not to buy kind of thing. What am I waiting for? But um, we we shouldn't pretend that part of it is just not. We all want to peek at what's coming in the next chapter
1: yeah it's a little bit like any any little kid by say december 20th is gonna start rooting around (laughs) you know what i'm saying like even if you want to be if you're uh, see i'm the kind of person i like being surprised my my daughter is constantly trying to tell me surprises for things that i'd like to be surprised about when it actually happens but you fight that impulse but eventually you're gonna start rooting around and seeing if there's like a ViewMaster waiting for you somewhere you know what i'm saying
0: yeah uh in the chat room we got a comment about uh, useful for developers to get an idea uh for the next ios release but the the thing there is that that's the most boring release of all right ios and 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 mac unless there's a specific like interim release like we we all get the we know wwdc is going to happen in june yeah, and they're going to that, release that's the final a, that's in a september june
1: thing that that's when you make uh, underscore david smith sad is in june i think
0: yeah so you know i think i think keeping that in mind is important that it's not the uh it's not the. I guess financial institutions like the Wall Street Journal, uh, covering financial perspectives of this, that would be the other argument here. Is knowing more about where Apple is going affects the uh, investment and the stock price, and people who are concerned about you know they their investors in Apple and they want to know where the company is going, and that is an argument that I don't make a lot because I am not an investor in Apple. I am not a financial journalist. Mm-hmm. I do not. I I do not pay attention to Apple stock price. I don't cover the company as an investment. I cover it as a maker of products. And so for me, I don't care about that. But that is another aspect of this is you're an investor and you're trying to get every last little bit of information in advance about what Apple's doing because that affects how you um, invest in Apple. Fair enough, but you know I think the bulk of it is we just want to know what the new toy is yeah i'm not, Even, I'm not here to I'm yeah. not here to yuck on a yum i uh, I think it's
1: fun too. I just think it's it is important to remember that it's it's not that you not turn it the one not you but that the that the consumer of this not use it to fuel a rage machine that's that's the part where it gets a little silly. The silly season gets silly for me is when people take speculation about speculation and then that becomes this sort of tribal thing where you're yeah. like there's there's really nothing of any consequence it's like imagine like fantasy football but it's fantasy football of like football that doesn't even exist yet it's well, like how can you even speculate
0: there is definitely a human nature thing um i had this come up about something i think on the incomparable where a uh, a movie or tv project was announced And my immediate thought was, oh, that's really clever. That could be good. Now, you never know. It could be good. It could be bad. But it could be good. And somebody responded to me and said... No, that's that's terrible. What a terrible idea! It's going to be like this, and it's going to be really bad. And and I and my response was, you just invented the worst possible scenario, and then took it as proof that it was bad. But it's like you, you just came, uh, you did a little finger. You came up with the bad you, idea. You
1: you did a little thought exercise where you think about what if somebody was doing this for the worst possible reason. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say about that. Yeah,
0: but that's not necessarily the case so some I think that's human nature in, in some mm-hmm. ways is is to crank up the outrage machine and you get a rumor and you imagine the worst and then you attack that as why are they doing the worst and sometimes it is the worst right I mean that does happen but um, sometimes it's not and that's I just think it's our, our human nature sometimes to to jump to those conclusions that's the face the face recognition thing with the new iPhone is a good <laughs> oh, example good of example. that yeah and yeah. Gruber and I talked about I was on the talk show last week with Gruber we talked about this uh, quite a bit. And I know Mike and I have talked about it here and and on both shows said the same thing, which is um, you can look at the Face ID rumors and say, oh boy, is that really going to work or is it going to be bad? But I think it's a mistake if you just jump to the conclusion that it's going to be bad. Touch ID was the same way. Oh, this is going to be janky. Nobody's gonna nobody's going to believe this. It's not going to work. Um, and I look at that and think that biometric stuff is so core to what Apple does that. Uh, if it, if they're doing it, it's because they got it right. Like, and that's not me yeah, saying oh, exactly. everything Apple does is great, and we should just love everything Apple does. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is sometimes Apple pushes things that are not quite right, and they're, but they're not key, like the uh, like the the um, portrait mode or right in the in the six Plus, 6S plus where it kind of was in beta or it wasn't even there in, in the first release. It's like it wasn't a core feature it was nice but it wasn't super core Um, this is core to the product I feel like it's so so important that if it if it wasn't working, it would not ship. Like, it literally, they would not do it. It, it, it. it can't be bad. Or they they have ruined their most important product if it's bad. So, um, but you see people out there who immediately see a rumor about something like that, and they say, oh, well, this is going to be terrible, of course. It's like, okay, I guess you can think that, but um, I don't think the evidence is, is is that way. And that's human nature. I just think that we all <laughs> we all tend to do that from time to time about something when we're not particularly enthused about it right that happens mm-hmm. i well, get it thank you for your
1: answer i am satisfied with my care all
0: right don't watch faithful findings or do
1: mm, there'll be a link in the show don't notes miss. i think you, you misspoke you missed
0: <laughs> you forgot faithful findings oh okay all right let's uh, take a break we have more to talk about but first i want to tell you about our next sponsor this episode of upgrade brought to you in part by text expander from our friends at smile you can communicate smarter with text expander use it to power through repetitive communication by standardizing and improving those written replies you send every day. Boy, I need to do this. I have a couple of replies that I find myself typing from memory in email at like once or twice a week. And I know that if if like a year ago, I just sat down and set up a text expander macro for that, I would be able to save so much time I need to do that because you can recall all your best and most frequently used words create a keyboard shortcut text expander pulls in the phrase or sentence or letter that you need an email sign off an introductory greeting a, fi- a fillable template there's so many different things you can do with it it can format dates it corrects spelling it'll search your entire company's collected knowledge with a few letters and a hotkey you can collaborate more efficiently in tools like slack using text snippets you automatically press the tab key in your web browser and email so your workflows even are quicker like it'll just kind of like pop you from place to place Uh, very easy to create text snippets even within your web browser so there's so many reasons you can save time by using text expander and you can try it for 30 days for free on the mac ipad iphone or windows by going to textexpander.com upgrade fm to start your free trial today thank you to text expander for the support of this show for for instance this entire conversation about text expander if podcasts were like computers Mm -hmm. i could put it in a little macro and all i would have to say is Mm te and the whole ad would come out but podcasts don't work like that so we can't do that
1: or you could be like me and you got tired of misspelling your own name oh and now i don't do that so much anymore because i used to type melrin <laughs> I would type melrin I I you I always type J, J Snow. snow <laughs> you're a very fast typist. The um the <laughs> that's what uh, I hear uh, <laughs> that's what people tell me. I don't know. that stick again. I don't measure, but man, I don't, S, I don't measure it. S D A T E. I can't even tell you how many times a day when I'm doing stuff, especially in text files. S D A T E is short date for me. So that'd be you know 2017. Right yeah. yeah, nice bloop. And, uh, it's the best you, you will, you will feel like you have boxing gloves on your hands. Once you start using this app and you go somewhere that doesn't have it, it feels crazy. You want it to be everywhere. It's the best
0: we should talk about. So there was news last week about crash plan, uh, getting rid of their, um, consumer online backup product and trying to migrate people to their small business product and, uh, other people use Backblaze. Some people aren't doing online backup at all. Uh, there was a good conversation last week. This is, I guess, follow-out on ATP. Yeah, it was a very um, good conversation. Every time I thought to myself, oh, they didn't mention this, then they mentioned it. It was mm-hmm. like they, they really did a, a good job. So I think people should listen to that. Um, one of the things I liked was um, was Marco talking about he gave like a cautionary tale. And I feel like it's not necessarily like that. He was practicing everything he preached, but he wanted to have all of us. I think a lot of us, computer nerdy people have a pack rat tendency, mm-hmm. which is, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna save this file because you never know or I'm going to rip this Blu-ray or DVD because I want to have all my movies or Blu-rays on, on my server and I might as well start now. And Marco was basically saying, you know, every byte that you upload, it, depending on what you're using, it costs cost you in time, it costs you in money, and do you really need it or is it readily available? Like iTunes, if you've bought it on iTunes, it's streamable. You know, you don't you don't need to have a copy that you also convert and save or something like that and i thought that was good i thought because and i find myself you know i resemble that remark a little bit but i Mm -hmm. I, i thought about that like when you've got terabytes and terabytes of storage it's just easy to never delete anything and that's great but at some point i think you have to realize like maybe there's a tier of stuff that i have that i don't need at all and I should yeah. delete it. And then there's another tier of stuff that I have that it's okay that I've got it, but I don't need to back it up because it's easily replicable from somewhere. It's got to be in there somewhere. Yeah. Right? That's I think, again, that's not a very
1: mindful thing to say, but I, that's my, my beef or my... So anyway, to to listen to that ATP, I I found it very thought provoking because it really got me thinking about the way that I do stuff, and it was really sobering uh, to me because it feels like in the age or era of like post Drobo, post Dropbox, you know, our storage options have gotten very diverse, and it's I think about where I was whenever SuperDuper first came out, and SuperDuper. I mean, I'm not a technologist, but SuperDuper essentially will take a given uh, hard drive, whether that's your Mac or whatever, and turn it into a, like a DMG. So, and it does, it's a backup app and you can give it rules about what to do. Do you want to replace this do you, uh, utterly? Do you want to just update it? But I used to be, uh, I used to have that. Uh, I eventually had a, sh- uh, well, a shell script that was, was doing it for me. Maybe it's a launch D thing, whereas automatically every night it was uh, moving between two different Wow. I'm not putting this well. I had two different DMGs. For the sake of argument, let's say odd and even number of days. And each night, it would update to that one. So if I had some kind of dumb thing I didn't realize, I still had an update from two days ago. Probably right. overkill. But the truth was, I did not have unlimited storage space. So I had an extreme amount of redundancy Locally, and I was great about it. And then, yeah, you know what? I also had a reminder to go in and test them periodically. Not that often, but at least you know your backups are only as good as what you can actually restore. But Time Machine comes along, Dropbox certainly comes along. Uh, you get a you get a you get a NAS, as I like to say. You get mm-hmm. these these devices, and I think it made me a little more careless. I think I don't totally. on the on the one hand, I don't think about it be, because I don't have to economize. Um, I tend to go like, meh, just throw a bunch of stuff on there. But there's a cost to that. It's not a cost in money. It's a cost in clutter. It's a cost in certainty, for, for one thing. Like when I, I used to be wired a lot more tight about this stuff. And I think it's time for me to uh, revisit that. I mean, not least because do you really want to have that much of your stuff in that many places if you don't need it?
0: Yeah. Um, and and, yeah. and the fallout tends to happen now that I've got because I've got the uh, I've got the Drobo and it's got like huge amounts of space and so I, I don't need to do this. And I, I have um I have movies and TV shows and stuff, for sure. And mm-hmm. some of those are probably unnecessary. And I have gotten lax at it. I've got podcast stuff too, and this is a case where um I've I've tried to apply a little bit of discipline where my podcasts that are not time that are not timely. I want to save those files because I do occasionally go back and take, like do a special version of uh, an old incomparable. And I, I save the files and I can actually like clean it up and, and I pull all the ads out and I, I put it out as a new version or something like that, like years after it's, it's been out there. So I'll do those, but like this, this show or TV talk machine or, or clockwise back in the day or download, like I save those files because in the moment, if something is wrong, I need to go back to them and then they sit there. Forever, basically yeah, in my archive yeah. and they don't need to sit there unless it's a special episode or something they really just should die and i thought about setting up like a hazel um script or something to just like look if there's a, a download episode for more than a month ago just wipe it out because there's no point in keeping it right and um where where the, the rubber meets the road to me is not the free space on my, on my uh, RAID array. It's when we start talking about online backup, which is why the crash plan thing came up, which is that's unlimited online backup, which is great. But when you've got terabytes and terabytes and terabytes, yeah. even on a fast internet connection, it takes basically forever. And I realized that one of the things I should probably do is start prioritizing like... Um, what stuff really needs to get backed up and what stuff doesn't. I actually did this a few weeks ago with CrashPlan, actually, where I started to say, you know what? I'm not going to back up the Clockwise folder and the Download folder and the TV Talk Machine folder because I'm keeping some episodes around there, but those episodes are done. I'm done with those projects. I'm probably never going to go back to those files. if if i lose my server i don't care about losing those files other files mm-hmm. i care about but but those i don't
1: but if you don't have a current accounting of what all your Backing up, it becomes a little bit use- like I, oh, I, yeah. I ran into this it's- with ki- with kid photos where I've got kid photos. Some are on the Drobo, some are on Dropbox, some are here. Yeah, I've been it, pretty it good about messy. it, but I but I started starting in two thousand seven because I had this this uh, all this space. I just started going, man, it's here somewhere. It's got to be here somewhere. And sometimes it's five copies of this one subset of the first six months of her life. But we've got periods where I feel like I should probably have more photos from this era, and I'm not even sure where to start looking. Yeah, like, am I gonna go and like pull out these four naked hard drives with a rubber band around them and just start going through all of these on the Drobo, I mean, there's a cost. And then that creates anxiety. And then now you don't trust your stuff.
0: Well, the last thing you uh, you want to do is, th- what if I throw this hard drive away? It looks like there's nothing on it, but what if this is actually the only copy that's still in existence of those baby photos?
1: Yeah, that'll dog you forever.
0: And so then you end up just holding on to everything forever until you can't read it anymore. <laughs>
1: right. It's so but, sobering.
0: Yeah. Like, I, I am a fan of, I know... Uh,
1: there, there are many apps that do this, but I, I like Daisy Disc. So there are many apps out there that will allow you to get a, usually a somewhat graphical look at, your, at a given hard drive to see what files are on there. And the special benefit of apps like this or other ones, and I'm sure you can reel off other ones, Uh, is is that it gives you this viewport to say, okay, let me go, show me my drive. And then you go into your home directory. And then you say, oh, so the biggest thing here is the the one with my name on it. Well, that makes sense. I go into there. The biggest file in here is application or is a library. Well, that's weird. I go into library, I drill down further and I realize, oh my gosh, I've got iTunes backups of a device that I haven't used in two years. It might blow your mind to know how much of your drive is being eaten up with stuff that you really, really, really don't need again. And if you treat all of that as being as important as the weekly podcast episode you just put out and will never listen to again, like that, that's a good time to reflect.
0: Yeah. I will say that all of their talk about... Um, about media and like, do you really need that media? Um, did remind me of something that we've also, I think talked about before, which is these streaming services. Like you can't count on them. If there's something you really love and you want to have access to, you can't count on them. I happened, uh, I was sick like a couple of months ago and is sick in bed. And I decided I was going to look for Stargate SG one, which is a, one of my comfort food shows. I love that show, especially the first like five years of it. Just love that show. Great sci-fi fun show and i realized it was only streaming on hulu which i have and then i started to play an episode and it was this like four by three like uh episode which you know you'd think that's an older show it probably was shot in four by three but no i have the dvds of the first four years of stargate and they're all widescreen they shot that show in widescreen it was on showtime it was Hmm. in hd way before a lot of shows were and it was in widescreen way before a lot of shows were and i realized oh my god Um, My DVDs that are in a box in my garage are way better quality than what's available and I actually went and I ripped all of those and that's an example where that's a show that I had the DVDs but I just assumed that I didn't need them anymore because it was streaming and the fact is it's only streaming on one service and what's on that service is not very good and th- this has happened with like with Buffy where it's gone from one place to another or it's disappeared Doctor Who you know it goes off of one service and moves to another or maybe Bob's it doesn't Burgers. for a while. Bob's Burgers was all Bob's, up on Netflix and on now Netflix, it's gone. It's on Hulu now. I mm-hmm. actually had to my, my daughter is getting reacquainted with Bob's Burgers which she loves now because I, I I said oh no we've got a Hulu account you can log into that too and watch that because she loves that show. So that's, that is part of it that I will point is like if you've got a beloved movie um don't count on that streaming service being there like don't count on it like if you buy it on itunes or you buy it on blu-ray or whatever at least you'll have access to it for more or less forever in in uh, but on netflix it could just go away so that's one of the reasons why i i do rip some stuff and why i have those stargate episodes now on my on my Drobo is because um, <laughs> I realized I had those discs and, and I, you know, it's, it was way more convenient. Like Lost, I have all the Blu rays of Lost. Lost is on Netflix and HD. It's beautiful. I never need to go back to those Blu rays again until it disappears from Netflix, at which point, or until I want to take it on a flight because I believe ABC's stuff is not downloadable on, in the Netflix app i think you can only stream the abc stuff so if i wanted to be on a plane and watch lost i would want to go to the blu-rays and and uh rip copies of that to load on my ipad so there are reasons right but i do feel like it's messier now and there are a lot of cases where our old habits our old instincts of i got to save this i got to save all this stuff are probably not um are, are not necessary anymore because so much of that stuff is is just you know a couple of clicks away
1: yep Talk about times yeah. of confusion.
0: Yeah, oh, indeed, indeed. Well, I, I am, it's funny, that ATP episode also, because they kind of talk themselves into the fact, John pointed out that CrashPlan is offering the small business plan. and it's That sounds like dis- a great deal. It, it's a discount for existing users. And I did buy a year of, of uh, Backblaze to try it out again. It's been a while since I used Backblaze. But I also upgraded my um, CrashPlan account to the new account because I have that my one big, my Mac server with the big drobo attached to it is the most important thing that I want backed up. And so backing up a single device, even under that small business plan, and it is technically it is for my small business, right? My podcasts and things I write and all of that, the media, not so much, but the podcast archives are actually my small business. So I did that too. So, um, and I, uh, the other thing I did, uh, when this is going on is I downloaded arc, which is the backup, Uh, app that uses like you bring your own data with it. And my thought there was, you know, I've got almost a terabyte on Dropbox that I don't use and almost a terabyte on OneDrive that I don't use. So I'm now oh, doing a second. I a second Arc, set of Arc. Back, back when I
1: used Arc, it was this must have been a million years ago. It was just for Amazon. I feel like.
0: Oh no, it's got all of them. It's got oh, That's all, cool. It's got many, many different services. So it can it can back up to Dropbox, and then I just have my uh, Macs that I mean, are just on Dropbox. Selective sync. Yeah. I just uncheck that folder, and now it's it's backing up a set of my um, podcast archive <laughs> of the, of a little less than a terabyte to those cloud services, because I've got the space. And I, I've been thinking about doing that for iCloud Drive, too. But if you're that's not a doing it already, e-
1: even if you have a big hard drive, you might want to go in and uh, do a Daisy Discord similar and then do yourself a favor and do some selective sync. Because remember that like, if you're sharing folders with people, you will inherit their pack rat tendencies as well. So if there's like raw episodes of shows that, that you don't need to have access to, you can just go and flip that off without actually deleting it.
0: Yeah, exactly right exactly hmm. right i'm gonna remove this uh, game of thrones episode from the incomparable transfer folder right as we're talking because that's an example of that there you it's go it's just gonna sit in there forever and that was mm-hmm. last week's episode of game of thrones i wasn't even here to do it so they they used a shared dropbox folder to save it and now it's just sitting there taking up space on everybody's hard drive well not anymore a- ancient history Uh, I want to talk about my road trip, but before that, let's talk about one more sponsor. It's Encapsula. These are website security tools and a content delivery network that makes any website safer, faster, faster and more reliable not to be all spooky and scary but every day websites of all sizes are attacked criminals use giant botnets to scrape website contact they try to break into databases and bring sites down with denial of service attacks Encapsulas network hold three terabits per second of on-demand scrubbing capacity that's a lot of scrubbing and can process mm-hmm. 30 billion attacks per second i wonder if they've got the scrubbing bubbles there. Remember the scrubbing bubbles? I sure do. They were adorable. They were so cute. Uh, This is why Encapsula's network has successfully defended some of the largest website attacks on record. If you are attacked, Encapsula's powerful CDN ensures that your content is still delivered to your customers and delivered fast. You don't want people bailing out on your site because somebody is attacking you somewhere. With Encapsula, those customers would have no idea something bad was happening because their CDN is making sure your content is getting to them. You can see attacks as they happen on the Encapsula dashboard that helps you adjust your security policies right on the fly. As a listener to Upgrade, you can get one whole month of service from Encapsula for free. All you need to do is go to Encapsula.com slash upgrade. That's I-N-C-A-P-S-U-L-A dot com slash upgrade. This is where you can find out more about Encapsula service and also claim that free month trial. Thank you so much to Encapsula for keeping so many websites safe and secure. And their support of this show and all of Relay FM. Tell me about your trip. This sounds yeah. so exciting. Yeah, I just wanted to talk about my trip a little bit. We did um, more than two thousand miles in the minivan wow. in eleven days. It's a lot of driving. Wow. Um, where where we, did you go to? Did you go we to went. A, Oregon? So we went. We went to Tahoe, and then we went to Salt Lake City, and then we went to Park City, and then we went to just uh, near Idaho Falls, Idaho for the total solar eclipse for people who want to hear me talk in some more detail about the eclipse there's an episode of liftoff where Stephen and I both went to uh, places in the path of the total eclipse and that was pretty awesome especially awesome was the fact that I realized my family um, my family loves me and goes along with the uh, wild ideas I have like let's go see the solar eclipse um, two days drive away you know and make it a road trip because they seemed really impressed with the total solar eclipse. And I realized it was great. Like my kids said, it was one of the most amazing things they've ever seen. They were legitimately like they're, they're both teenagers now (laughs) as of last week when we were on the road trip, my son turned 13. So they're both teenagers and they dropped all kind of teenager skepticism or cynicism or anything. And they were both just, you know, there were tears, there were, there was shouts and there was, that is the most amazing thing I've ever seen, which is great. But the, I had to I had to say part of what I realized is I don't know what they were expecting, and it sounds like what they were expecting is that their father was dragging them along thousands of miles for something that was just going to be kind of okay. Oh, so you, but you did—you <laughs> ended up doing good expectation management. I guess I yes, I guess I set a low bar because they they leap right. It's another over one it. of
1: Dad's donkey drills. Yeah, it's
0: another one of these. Well, I think from my from my uh, daughter's perspective, it's like, oh, honey, we're going to go outside and watch the uh, watch the lunar eclipse, and like, look, the the moon is red, and she's like, yeah, great. This it's is red. a big can pattern I, in parenting. I
1: I'm realizing this is a big pattern in parenting: is that you don't realize how disappointing you are to your family until they are genuinely happy about something, where the the reaction is basically, <laughs> "Well, that
0: didn't suck as much as I expected."
1: Yeah. And you're like, "Hey, I'm trying here.
0: You you uh, that was, this wasn't one of your stupid wild goose chases. <laughs> this was actually good. Like, yeah, okay. I, so I may never be able to top the total solar eclipse, but I did nail it, and they were all very grateful that I I said that we needed to do it. But I did have that moment. I, I think I think it goes back to like we had an eclipse here a few years ago that was like 50% or 60% or something and you know we dragged the kids out onto the street and we got pinhole cameras and we're we're looking and and it's like look there's all yeah. the, there's a shape in the sun and all the all the shadows are weird and they're like oh yeah that's kind of cool can i go back inside now where it's like it's not that it's dumb but it's just like it's right. a science they, thing, and it's okay, but it's not like a dramatic... It's, it's an anomaly, but it's yeah. not
1: that weird. There's, there's a pretty good Nova uh, this past week about the eclipse. The I think very rapidly produced uh, Nova about the this particular eclipse. And they talked to this guy who's a big eclipse chaser. And he describes exactly what you're saying, which is like it's all the difference in the world. Even if you see a... And like if you're at the angle where the moon like mostly covers the sun and there's yeah. a little bit of a ring it's not the same no, he 90, says it's, 99 it's not the
0: point, real deal. 99.5% total is more dramatic than 50% right but not not that much more once you get yeah, to 100% I, it is a completely different event because and this is the this is the moment with my daughter where i don't know when the penny dropped but like 15 or 10 minutes before totality um we're talking about You know it's getting colder and it's getting darker and she says wait it's gonna be dark like night and i say yeah like (laughs) yeah the (laughs) sun gets covered there's no sunlight we are in darkness like nighttime you'll be able to see stars and that was the moment where she's like oh like she finally got it it was things were getting weirder and weirder and we got to that moment she's like oh I see now and then things were super exciting after an hour of really boring kind of like dad why did you drag us up here I'm cold why are we here we came a long way slept in a tent why are we doing this right. and then everything got magical but it just it took her final realization that yeah total eclipse is, t- is not like other eclipses because the sun goes out completely you can see the shadow rushing towards you and then you stare at where the sun used to be and it's not there anymore. Um, That was great. Um, And we took a family, you know, we took a family road trip too. So we got... We, we stayed in different places with varying degrees of good and bad internet. Uh, right. We blew through our cellular data cap because... That was, a,
1: that was an interesting post you had on that. Uh, I wish you'd yeah. have me back to talk about this. I know we don't have time today, but I think there's a real art to traveling with your family and how you choose to prepare and set up in different kinds of locations, how to learn from your own mistakes and be less of a dummy, because it can really make all the difference.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's worth talking about at least a little bit. This is, um, for me, you know, my lessons, well, first off, my lesson was, uh, truck stops in the middle of nowhere in Nevada now have every adapter and cable you can possibly buy for any electronic device because you're not the only one who is out in the middle of nowhere in the desert in Nevada right. on the interstate and realizes that you're missing a cable that you need so that your son can continue to play on his Nintendo Switch, like me. It's, not,
1: it's not like the 90s where you have to go to the other part of town to get a SCSI 50 adapter.
0: <laughs> no, there's a wall of... of, of just arcane adapters at the truck stop right next to the like, uh, yeah, the over jerky. by the
1: erectile dysfunction pills. They got everything no, you need, it's all there.
0: Yeah, it was, it was more by the, uh, by the, the jerky. I Maybe think. that's our 7 Eleven, but yeah, you know, it's amazing. Yeah.
1: Our 7 Eleven has lightning cables. It's, it's, uh, that is a world I never would have predicted.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, so that was, that was something I've learned. The other lesson I learned is when the rental says it has Wi Fi, that, that's not a guarantee that they have internet. <laughs> <laughs> wi Fi may not go anywhere because we went to one place. It's like, oh yeah, we got Wi Fi, and it was like DSL, and every oh, thirty minutes it cut so
1: out. That, I, when I read that, I was oh, I felt for you. Mm. And there's also so many things. The rental that we had uh, in in New England, uh, it just went out at one point, and I. I'd had some drinks, my family had gone to bed and I said, you know what, I'm going to troubleshoot this and I went in and I did what I would do I did the whole process, it was like conflict catcher for the internet, uh-huh. I went in and did the entire like process of elimination like, oh that's interesting, so they had the presence of mind to get this particular thing and they've got a separate uh, Wi-Fi router and all that and I thought it could be any of these things I went through all the passwords that usually work on those things and they didn't work, but like you're right Like they, you can say, you, you know what, there's not even a law, you're allowed to say there's Wi-Fi even if it doesn't work
0: very well yeah, it's true, and you and know that changes again, that vacation, changes the event.
1: You know, are on vacation,
0: it. and uh, you know my my kids have learned to download videos from Netflix and YouTube Red and stuff before they go, <laughs> which is good. Um, but you know, I I wanted to watch Game of Thrones on that first Sunday night, and we were at the DSL <laughs> place, and I ended up I think I I I turned on Wi Fi assist, so I think basically I downloaded that episode or I streamed that episode on cellular, and that's what blew out our our cellular plan, but. You know, we wanted to watch the show and yeah, you're on vacation. You don't need Internet. But at the same (laughs) time, this is sometimes that's what enables you to take the vacation is that you're going to be able to stay in touch at least a little bit. The irony of it, and I told this to Gruber last week, is since we were staying in the summer at places that are uh, ski resorts in the winter for the most part, Park City and Tahoe, we were both staying in ski resorts. um, The cellular connection is great because skiers are there for the day or maybe they're there for the weekend um the internet connection in the in the uh, in the condos doesn't really matter so much. It's sort of like when you're on the slopes, you want to be able to check your email on the. I, I don't I don't understand that, but that like that is a big deal among cellular carriers is to like cover right. the ski slopes, have oh, the data. It's something they do. Like AT and I think has coverage at every California ski resort at this point, or all but one, something like that. And I'll tell you, the cellular co- connectivity at these places was amazing. The diff- the problem was that we were already at our cap for that. So, um, but we where we didn't even at the volcanic butte in um, eastern Idaho, we had LTE with a couple of bars. So no it was kidding. never it was never an issue. So that was that was an amazing kind of living in the future moment. And if I had not been speed rated by ATT, um I would have been even more marveled about it. But we we had uh, we'd spent our ten 10- 10 gigs for the month, and we're done.
1: I think that it takes a savvy, for a a family trip, vacation, whatever you want to call it, especially any kind of a car trip, it takes a canny combination of uh, managing expectations and happy self talk. Because you you got, so like we got to our place, and it was like, "Mm, this is fine. This is fine. And it's like, oh, the TV's a big crt with nothing really on it and yes. the, the VH, serious thing didn't really...
0: i had a vhs uh tv oh we combo. had dvds
1: oh we can finally watch that sherlock holmes movie mm. we never wanted to see but so we but then we did the happy self talk and we said oh you know happy self talk this is, we don't need that's that fine-ish. we don't yeah we don't really we don't need to watch sherlock just because that's what we want to watch but then the funny thing we opened a little panel to play a blu-ray or a dvd rather and they had some kind of like cuz i had done a like a, a visual inspection and gone like ah uh, you know i'd done the heads up display like a like scan scan mm-hmm. eh, crappy crappy tv crappy little crummy sony dvd player guess what It occurred to me to change, not the input, but on the menu to go and see, just to like look around. And it turned out that their DVD player was an internet connected device and they were logged into Netflix and Amazon Prime and you can get YouTube and it was all, (laughs) and suddenly we didn't have to do happy self-talk anymore. It was like, oh, oh my God, we can, we can totally watch Sherlock now.
0: Well, that's how lame we were, but it made the vacation more fun. Okay um, before we go, I have I have one last travel story I want to tell No please it on. Um, so we're um, we're in Park City. so we, we stayed a couple nights by the University of Utah in Salt Lake City. It was very nice. We're going to Park City because um, Lauren's parents are on a trip to Yellowstone and that was that was separately scheduled, but it turned out that we were basically going to be able to intersect for a couple of days and it was um, during my son's birthday, which is great. So we're gonna stay. we got a place together for in park city for a couple of days um i don't think we would have stayed five days in the salt lake city park city area otherwise but it was like it was good timing with them so we did it and uh lauren's mom made the reservation but it it doesn't matter i think it was vrbo or something like that it's one of these one of these places that this is what you do now is unless you want to stay in a hotel you go to one of these places where there are condos and 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 ski condos and things like that and uh she got a place and it looked great and we we all uh shared the information about how to get there and the code and all that. So we pull up and they're they're about thirty minutes behind us because they're coming from a totally different direction. And uh, I've got the code and I open the code because they, they say well you can park in the driveway, but the driveway's kind of small, so you want to put in the code and park one car in the garage. So I put in the code, garage door opens, there's a car in it. Oh no. And I think, huh. Car with Tennessee license plate.
1: Like Oh no.
0: Interesting. So I look at Lauren and we're like, "There's a car in that. That's not great." Well, let's see what happens. So we go in the door, and it's big steps up because this is a you know it's a, an area that gets a lot of snow. So all of them are sort of like living floors above the the main level. I think in case you need to dive out a window in if there's a lot of snow, I don't know. Uh-huh. I don't understand snow. Do it, do a shining. Yeah, yeah. Do a so, shining. Go out that high window. You gotta, yeah, you gotta, you gotta have the second floor available because the first floor might just get totally snowed in and then you gotta dive out the second floor window. Anyway. Um, so walk in at the base and, and Julian actually starts walking up the steps and, uh, and the door at the top of the steps is open and we say, hello. And a very nice, um, southern lady from tennessee there
1: there were there are already tennesseans in there
0: uh appeared at the top of the (gasps) stairs oh no um they're the owners (laughs) they had apparently at least thought that they had blocked out the month of august from their rental company meanwhile apparently the rental company didn't know had a mistake we don't really know because we got all their their stuff um and you know it was just one of those moments of like this is the problem with um, with with the, I don't even know what you call it now. It's the, uh, the problem with a lot of things, the, Jason. The it's the problem with codes. It's the, the modern problem. house sharing <laughs> uh, economy Yeah, is, is all of a sudden we're a thousand miles from home and it's late afternoon because we've actually been uh, doing things to keep ourselves entertained uh, in Salt Lake City in order to get to, after checking out of the hotel, in order to get to the point where we can drive to Park City and check in. And... And all of a sudden there's a lady and her little dog who from Memphis. So maybe she knows Stephen Hackett. Although I mentioned Stephen Hackett and she claimed not to know him. I mean, how many people can it be in Memphis, Tennessee? Really? Exactly. And, um, yeah, she's the owner and her husband was asleep upstairs. She's oh boy. So she couldn't have been nicer. She got us drinks. She got us cookies. Uh, we sat in the back. They had a croquet set out on the lawn in the back. It was a very nice lawn. It was a very nice deck. They had a hot tub. It was very nice. In other words, the place we were supposed to stay, well-selected. Beautiful place. What was the resolution? Did they they leave or you left? Calls were made to all of the people involved. And the resolution was about an hour later, after playing a game of croquet and playing with her little dog and eating some cookies, an hour later, um, they had booked us at a condo that was not right by downtown park city, but was kind of out of town about a mile and a half. And, um, I, I mentioned this because you mentioned before about like the happy talk. Yeah. So we get, this so, is fine. <laughs> so we get to the happy talk place and that was it. It was like, Oh, this is as generic a ski condo as there could be. It's, uh, it's made for skiers. It's, uh, not particularly, uh, which, is, which is,
1: which is code for, you're not going to spend that much time caring what the, room is like
0: well yeah it's it's it was fine but it was like it has no no nice touches it's really so you can pack in a bunch of skiers who are going on a ski vacation and it was fine right like i think if we had gotten there first maybe it wouldn't have been that bad but it was like the the lady's place was so nice and she gave us cookies and so there was a lot of happy talk at that place Um, but you know at the same time it was also not sleeping in the van so we'll take it but it just it was a it was a funny moment uh magnified by the fact that about two hours after we got there a guy walked in the front door and said, hello? Oh, no No way. Twist. Turns out. And I thought, oh, no. Oh, no. And he said, oh, no, Bob, the owner, said that I could come by because I'm looking for a long-term rental. I I didn't know there would be anybody here. And we said, well, until about two hours ago, neither did we. And uh, we all had a good chuckle and he looked around and, and uh, made some small talk and left. And then nobody interrupted us the rest of the time. And the moral of the story is the alfalfa field we stayed at in Idaho, um, nobody was in that spot. We got to put, pitch our tent there and nobody tried mm. to make us move. So Magnifique. Wow, I'm ending. glad
1: you made it back. That, that sounds like a hell of a trip. It was a great trip. It was a
0: great trip. But uh, that was a funny moment. Nice, Very nice lady. Can't recommend the nice lady yeah. from Tennessee who gave us uh, drinks and, uh, and uh, ginger cookies. She was great. Yeah, Uh, I would love to stay at her her house sometime, but I prefer. Yeah, maybe maybe she's not.
1: She's not there. Her husband's not sleeping there. That'd be a nice place to stay.
0: We were there for an hour, by the way. Husband sleep the whole time.
1: (laughs) Guess he's a heavy sleeper. Uh, That sounds like some kind of a jam up. He might be dead. He might.
0: Wow, geez, I hope not. She seemed very nice, though.
1: (laughs) That's they all seem nice, Jason.
0: Well, Merlin, thank you so much for being on Upgrade this week.
1: Well, thanks for having me, buddy. It's a pleasure. I enjoy your show very
0: much. I I really appreciate that. We will be back, by the way, Mike. Mike, who's on assignment on vacation right now, will be back next week. We're going to do that episode, I believe, a little late. I think it'll be, uh, we'll drop it on Wednesday next week. And if the rumors are true, I think that's the draft. I think that's <sighs> going to be the upgrade keynote draft. If the rumors are indeed true and we get a, uh, an announcement of an event on the 12th, then that's going to be the upgrade keynote draft. So, oh, I, I look forward to that. That is good. That could be, that could be big stuff. Big stuff, very exciting. Uh, so, um, as always, I want to thank our sponsors, of course, Encapsula, Eero, and Smile, makers of Text Expander. And uh, you can always get our show notes relay.fm/slash/upgrade/slash/one-five-six for this episode. You also there's a uh, there's a link on there. I am Jay Snell on Twitter. Merlin is Hot Dogs Ladies on Twitter. By the way, if you'd like mm-hmm. to reach Merlin. And we'll be back next week, or at least Mike and I will be back next week. And Merlin, thank you again so much for being here. Thank you. Welcome home. Thank you. We'll see you next week, everybody. Bye-bye.